0: Gray, Welcome to Partaker's Podcast. Come and listen. The great King David has died, and his son Solomon is now on the throne. And here in this passage of Scripture, God answers Solomon's prayer. Wow! And in this prayer, God reminds Solomon that God Himself is the God of the past, God of the present, and also God of the future. He is the God of Israel's past. God throughout history had made covenants with Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and here God reminds Solomon of the covenant that he made with Solomon's father David. In this covenant three things were promised. There would be a land forever, It would be a dynasty without end and it would be a perpetual kingdom. But not only is he a God of the past, he is also a God of the present. God has heard the prayers and cries of his people and accepted the temple as a place of worship. We read in verse 12, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. He is the God of the present because he is speaking to Solomon in Solomon's present. God is visiting Solomon so God is the God of the past. He is the God of the present but also a God of the future. And because God is the God of the future all things are under his control. Even verse 13 When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people Shows the God of the past, present and future being the God who is in control. The Lord God says in this speech to Solomon, I will, several times. I will hear, I will forgive, I will heal, I will open, I will establish. But not only of these humanly beneficial things, but also God says in verse 20, I will uproot you from here and send you into exile. All in the future tense. And in verse 16, I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. Their God, who is the God of all human history, past, present and future, is from everlasting to everlasting. Wow. God is also a god who lives and lives dynamically. This god of Israel is not like the gods of Israel's neighbors, who are mere inert blocks of wood, bone or stone to be lumped about, put on a pedestal, have many copies made, bowed to impersonally and chanted maniacally at No, God is personal. No other nation had enjoyed a dynamic, robust and intimate relationship with their God like Israel does. As you read through God's response, look at the use of the words I, my, you, their, themselves and they. This is a personal, living and dynamic God wanting a personal and dynamic relationship with His people. We haven't got time to go into every detail, but we can see that God is personally committed to the line of David and to his nation of Israel, indeed the world. We see in this response that God judges, yet he is also the God who enables restoration. When evil befalls Israel, natural, social or politically, it is because of their disobedience, and God must judge it, or he would be a pretty impotent, capricious, spiteful, and fickle God if he did not. This is a personal God, of all human history, who lives. This God judges disobedience, but always offers a way back, through repentance. This is all part of his being personal, because it is a God, who expects. But what does he expect? God expects his people to be holy why because he as God is holy God is of utter moral excellence and perfection there is and can be no stain of sin or evil with God and he must be totally separated from sin and evil because if he was tarnished he would not be God Holy is what God is. And this holiness of God is seen in righteousness, which is holiness in action. God's actions conform to His holiness. Justice deals with the absence of righteousness. Sin must be dealt with, and deal with it he will and must, if he is to be God. If God were not holy, he could not, and would not be God. If God were to cast aside His holiness, even for the briefest of times, then God would cease to be God. And not only is God to be holy, which He is, but those who are His followers, His people, must also be holy, and be seen to live rightly. God expects obedience. Israel was to be a nation of light reflecting their great and living God to the surrounding nations. They alone had the law of the Lord and they were to live rightly and obediently before God and the surrounding nations. Israel were to worship this living God and Him alone. In verse 17, we see the request to walk with God alone and follow His decrees and commands. In verses 19 to 20, there was the penalty for idolatry in abandoning this living God. And now we have a conundrum. If God is just and of grace, what about those people who do sin against Him? Well, good news! God Himself will provide a way out of those judgments. Those people can be restored. How? Verse 14 is the key. This is the key of grace. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. This is the key verse of 2 Chronicles. So how does God restore? God restores through the humility and repentance of those who are disobedient. Even when this great living God is angry, He restores. Prayers by the disobedient consisting of humility and repentance are necessary in order to enable God to forgive and heal the destruction of sin and disobedience. Anybody who acknowledges God's name and authority may pray with utter confidence that God would hear their cries and petitions. Seeking God's face with humility is the key to grace. And what is repentance? Repentance is a voluntary change in mind in which the person turns from a life of disobedience to living a life of obedience to God. It is done firstly in the mind, where it is recognition of disobedience and guilt before God. Then there is also an emotional level, exhibiting genuine sorrow for disobedience. And finally, it's also an act of the will, a decision to turn back to God from disobedience, self-pleasure and self-centeredness. Turn back to God is repentance. And what is humility? Humility. Humility is where total trust is placed in God alone and He has priority in all aspects of life. Humility is a lack of pride and of total commitment to God. God is a living and holy God who expects His people to be holy, to reflect His holiness and be prepared to make themselves nothing in order to be restored to Him and for their disobedience to be forgiven. That's it for today. Come back every day to www.partakers.co.uk where there is something uploaded to help you as a Christian disciple, wherever you are in this world, to live for Jesus Christ. Our books are also available on our Amazon site at www.pulp.com. Theology dot com. See you later.